another episode of the Beulah Girl podcast. For links, related resources, and even more encouragement, visit BeulahGirl.com. Hi, friend. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is the Beulah Girl podcast, and I'm Carol Whitaker, your host. We are, just to kind of cap off this month, end January, and move into February, we are going to focus on, in this episode, anxiety. And I think this is just such a pertinent topic for this time of year. January, it can be a time of great excitement as we face a new year, but also a time of anxiety and maybe fear as we don't know what we're going to face, as we don't know what the year holds, and maybe as we look to change some things in our life or have goals for ourselves, we may you know, also have feelings of anxiety about, are we going to achieve those or what's going to happen in this year? What is it going to bring? Is it going to be as good or bad as the the previous year? Or we just may have expectations, hoping to change an area of our life, not really knowing if we're going to have the fortitude to do it. There can just be a, a, just a myriad of emotions. And as I've expressed before, we live in a world that is constantly throwing stress at us at at every angle. It's stressful sometimes, even the things that can be really good. Like for instance, jumping on social media can be a positive experience. We can connect with other people. We can find out how other people are doing, but it can also be stressful. We, we can compare ourselves to others, or we can feel less than other people, or we can be reminded how other people are achieving in ways that we're not, or, you know, family can be another area that can bring us a lot of joy and, and meaningful relationships but then it can also bring us a great deal of stress. Maybe kids that aren't listening or expectations we have for family members or relationships that just aren't living up to the expectations we have or the hopes that we have. Um, work can be the same way. Our, our spiritual life, maybe we're feeling anxiety there. We just don't, we just, you know, we have fears about what God feels about us or where we are, or what, what progress we've made or You know, there can just be so many areas in our life that we can experience fear and anxiety. And I want to share with you in this episode just how I've personally learned in my own life how trusting in God can, can, is that which has helped me so much with um, different points in my life where I felt anxiety. And you know, I want to tread carefully in this topic because I know that some of you listening, if, if anxiety is something you struggle with, that you may struggle with it for different reasons than me. And I want to be respectful of that. And I'm not saying that everyone um, struggles for the same reason, but I do know in my own life that many of my episodes where I've been the most fearful, the most um, anxious have really stemmed down to just really a self-sufficiency and a, a difficulty trusting in God. And I know that can seem very callous if someone says, oh, you're suffering from anxiety, just trust in God. That's not really what I'm saying here. That's not what I'm going to be throwing your way and saying, well, you just need to trust more. No, what I'm saying is that I want to just share with you how God has kind of revealed to me how um, dependence on him is something that has very much helped me with my own feelings of fear and dread and apprehension. And it's something I've I've come back to again and again, continually. It's not something that is just been a one and done type of deal. 
Anxiety is that which, again, with the stresses of life and with all the changes we constantly are going through, we're going to constantly, especially if anxiety, we have maybe events in our childhood that made us more susceptible to feelings of anxiety, things like that. We may just have that natural bent towards more fear or dread than other people, or maybe we've gone through something traumatic um, where, again, we just react tend to react a little bit more along those lines than other people. Whatever the case, whether we just suffer anxiety occasionally or if it's something that's a persistent problem in our life, I believe that you'll very much be encouraged by this episode as I kind of share how dependence on God has helped me in my own life and perhaps it can speak to the places that you're facing in your life. A few years ago, my daughter, she's now 10, but when she was in kindergarten, I remember this story um, where when she was first entering kindergarten, I drove her for her first day of school. I, I dropped her off. I walked her. Well, I didn't drop her off for the first day. I walked her to a class. I picked her up. And the next day I, I um, walked her to a class as well. And it's kind of normal for kindergarten for the parents to the first week of school walk their kids in until they kind of get used to the program and so i was expecting to do the same but i just figured you know i'd kind of just talk to my daughter about it see where she was at well literally before school even started she was announcing to me that she wanted to ride the bus she was adamant she wanted to ride the bus i was a little bit nervous about her getting on the bus that first few days of school because she had never ridden a bus before. I wasn't going to be on there with her. I didn't know if she would be okay sitting with some older kids. I just wanted to make sure she was okay and comfortable. And I also didn't think she really would know where to go when she got off the bus. So I told her that I would be driving her and walking her in the first few days. But if she wanted to, she could ride the bus home on the second day of, of, of school. And so we made that agreement and she did. She got on the bus the second day of school and I, you know, gave her some pointers about what she should do. And and I wanted her to sit right up front and not to be in the back with the the bigger kids and make sure to stay in her seat and some of those things. But I completely forgot to tell her where she was supposed to get off. And I, I... didn't really know if she would know how to kind of look out for our house, which was our bus stop was literally right next to our house. So the bus rumbled up when I was waiting out for her after school was out the second day and every kid filed off the bus and there were a lot of them. There were eight or nine kids that got off the bus, but I did not see my daughter. And immediately my, I panicked and thought, oh my goodness, she was never put on the bus or her teacher got mixed up. Maybe they thought she was going to be a car rider that day, but I I just didn't know. So I stepped in and kind of peered in the bus and I asked the bus driver, I said, you know, I was going to ask the bus driver, you know, you don't by any chance have a, a little kindergartner on here. And I leaned into the bus and the moment I leaned in, I caught sight of my daughter and she was sitting in the front row. She was not looking at me. She was just talking. She'd found a new little friend they were giggling and laughing. She had no idea that it was even her bus stop. She probably couldn't even see out the windows because she was so, you know, too short. She didn't even know. She had no clue. And part of it was my fault because I hadn't really stressed to her, okay, you need to look for your bus stop. 
she didn't know where she was supposed to get off. And she caught sight of me and she was just, you know, not alarmed, not worried at all. She just said, oh, and she popped up out of her seat and hopped off the bus. And I, you know, as I turned to her to just sort of say, hey, you know, did you not know where to get off? She said to me, I can do it myself. And she walked off down the pavement without me. And I watched her determined little self walking down the pavement with her backpack. And I was expecting her to be a little more dependent on me in that situation, a little perhaps scared because she didn't know where to go or perhaps saying, hey, mom, you know, thanks for getting me off the bus. But she didn't know none of those things. She was just like, mom, why are you leaning in getting me off the bus? I can do it. And I'm thinking in my mind, honey, you did not know where to get off the bus. You needed me in this situation. But as she was walking down the sidewalk, I just was sort of thought about how I'm often like my daughter in my relationship with God. I tell God that I can do it. And I don't even have to say those words. I just sort of resolve without even really, it's kind of my, I think all of our go-to, our fallback is we revert back to sort of our sin flesh nature where we say, you know what? I've got it, God. I can do this. And he's sitting there looking at us like, you know, I think you need me here. So I tell that story because perhaps like me as you're listening, independence is, I think it, it not only is something we revert back to, but for many, it might even be a coping mechanism. I know for me is that I developed a very independent, self-reliant attitude as I grew older because there were some painful situations when I was younger where I got laughed at or others had a certain reaction to me. And I found that it was very vulnerable to to ask others for help. And there, I think my natural tendency has been, was then, and is sometimes now, is my natural, I think, coping mechanism is to revert back into my shell, kind of like a turtle and say, okay, I'm just going to, I'm just going to take care of myself. I'm going to rely on myself. I'm not going to reach out and need people because when I share my needs, it can be very risky. I can be met with irritation, anger, silence, and Sometimes when you express what you want or what you need, you know, people view you or treat you like you're a problem. However, I had to learn God doesn't want me to cover up who I am in an unhealthy way to please others. I'm not a problem if I speak up or express how I feel. So self-sufficiency was was one way I tried to manage the people around me and make them like me, but I also made the decision to be really useful. So not only would I try not to inconvenience people in my life by saying what I wanted, but I would also display how productive I could be, how successful. I would prove to everyone I was worth it. And so when I was in college, And even my first few years of teaching, when I was a high school English teacher, I was extremely performance driven. And I didn't recognize it at the time, but this independence, this um, drive for performance was about making it through life on my own. And I believed in God, but I didn't really know that he could help me with all the details of my emotions. And I didn't think he really cared about 
things like anxiety. It never really occurred to me that he created the mind, he created the body. He knows a whole lot about how the two are connected and how different situations can cause us to react. And so this, it's all about me. I have to make it happen. Attitude in college took a toll on my body. And that's really when I can remember anxiety starting to kick in was in college. I developed a nervous stomach. I had paralyzing fear and anxiety. And while other people agonized over extra pounds they were gaining, I had no problem fitting in the smallest size jeans because all of my worrying whittled me down to very thin. But there was one Sunday um, when I went forward at church for prayer. And I I mean, stress, I was so stressed out that I I was literally just couldn't function. And the preacher happened to say something about the cause of anxiety during the prayer time being fear. And it was like, all of a sudden, no one had ever explained to me really. Anxiety just felt like something that was in a textbook. And I've talked about depression as well with being just totally in denial about, you know, those things. I think sometimes when we read about things like anxiety and depression, it can feel like, okay, that's, that's a term in a textbook or a psychology manual that has nothing to do with me. But it was just like a light bulb went on in that moment. I realized, okay, I had a paralyzing fear that was causing me anxiety. When I was in college, I was very afraid that I wasn't going to succeed. I had a fear of failure. There were certain courses I, of course, had to pass to become a teacher. I felt so much pressure all of the time to be amazing, to produce amazing work. And even when professors would give me compliments and tell me I was doing a good job, I really, that would make me feel more anxiety because then I felt like they expected from me this amazing work and I wasn't sure if I could produce it. But at the bottom of all of that fear over failure and desire to be self-reliant was just a bigger, a bigger fear of failing in relationships. And just the biggest, I think, overall fear was just not being accepted. If I wasn't successful, I wouldn't be accepted. If I wasn't, um, you know, if I asked too much of people, I wouldn't be accepted. And so there was just a, an overriding fear that was causing me anxiety. And that was a fear of rejection. And one of the reasons I even started my blog to begin with was to share with others about, you know, the freedom we have in Christ and the acceptance we have in him so that we don't have to fear others reactions. But that has been definitely a learning journey. I still struggle with, as I'm sure many of you listening still struggle with feelings of rejection, feelings of low self-worth, of wanting acceptance from people and sometimes changing my actions. So that attempt to wanting to change myself to please people was attempting to manufacture acceptance from the people around me with my actions. And the desire to do things without God is something every person attempts to do, whether he or she recognizes it or not. Even Christians can operate in the flesh. So this story I'm telling you is that our whether we realize it or not, when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, that part of the fall of humanity was falling from our intimate relationship with God. And Adam and Eve had enjoyed this reliance and dependence on God, this intimacy with him in the garden. There was complete acceptance, complete love, complete reliance. And when they fell, 
because of sin, sin ushered in a different picture where we have our kind of our, what we um, revert back to without really realizing it in our flesh is we act, we, we um, desire to do, do things for ourselves. Um, even if we love God, we kind of want to take the reins of our life and we struggle with letting God lead us, being dependent on him, but living on our own and our own strategies causes great anxiety and stress in our lives because we are never designed to live that way. Years ago in a divine design conference, I attended one of the things they stressed was when we attempt to meet our own needs for love, acceptance, worth, and security apart from God, this desire um, to be independent came into the world. Obviously talks about that in Genesis 3, 1 through 21. When we try to live that way, we cannot experience abundant life that it talks about in John 6, 63, when we live out of our flesh rather than our spirit. The the Bible talks about living out of, um, not living out of our flesh, but rather living reliant on God's spirit. So many of us, you know, we've grown up in church. We've heard flesh defined as sin, right? Our sinful nature. And we understand that means the part of us that leads us to want to do things we shouldn't like lie and cheat and steal and lust, those kind of things. However, all of those things are definitely our sin nature, but also our sin nature is a little more encompassing in that acting out of our flesh also includes the ways we try to do life in our own strength and the coping skills we use to get what we want out of our environment. So some of those skills obviously are going to be those that are looked down on by society, but some of those skills are even those considered socially acceptable. So for instance, we can be a complete workaholic because we're attempting to gain acceptance from our peers and we're basing our identity on that. That workaholism, it may be something that others praise like, wow, he works so hard or she is always, you know, working later at the office than anyone else. But maybe the root, the reason that we're working so many hours at the expense of our health and our sanity and and really meaningful relationships with our family and things is really because that's what we're deriving our sense of worth from is is the attention we get for the work. Or, you know, it could be perfectionism. It could be we do a perfect job. We Our house is absolutely perfect. It's good to have a clean house. It's good to want things in orderly fashion, but maybe we've taken it to the next level where everything has to be. Our kids have to look a certain way. And if anyone steps out of line that we just go off the deep end or, you know, there can't be a single speck of dust anywhere because again, we're attempting to manufacture acceptance from others by their view of us because we keep such a well-maintained home or our kids act in a certain way. So there can be all kinds of ways that we attempt to, in our own strength, get love, acceptance, worth, and security from others. And the list can go on by escapism, by stoicism. I mean, there can be so many ways that we cope with life and cope with situations in our life that are in ways that aren't godly. And we can do this as Christians. We can act out of the flesh, but the Bible urges us to live according to the spirit, dependent on the spirit. And the more we use our own flesh patterns, the more tied up in knots we will become, the more anxiety we're going to feel. It's not wrong to have needs or express them, but it's a problem when we lean the entire weight of our identity 
on others' reactions and our own achievements. God never intended us to generate our own devices to get through our circumstances. Certainly, He did intend for us to make decisions on our um, decisions with our brains and and things like that. But He wants us to look to Him for guidance and to incorporate his ways of doing life that we read about in his word in proverbs 3 5 through 6 it says this trust in the lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight the new living translation actually says this means do not depend on your own understanding not lean on your own understanding it actually says do not depend Um, the bible teaches a dependence on God, not our own flesh in practical terms. This means seeking out the advice and will of God in our choices, relationships, and actions. The NIV application commentary suggests that not leaning on our own understanding goes beyond just asking for help in daily decisions. That is part of it. Depending on God means not being wise in our own eyes. And that's Proverbs 3, 7. And when I first read this verse years ago about not being wise in our eyes, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Because I think that part of my problem, even though I was suffering from very negative um, negative emotions and fear and all of these things that I could not obviously control, that I was, I think, just, I really believed that I could handle it. I really did. I thought that I can do this. Like, I, it was... Part of me was afraid I couldn't, but part of me was like, yeah, I can do this. And obviously, I I really couldn't. It wasn't working. I had to admit that. So it's not necessarily like we should overanalyze every decision, say, oh my goodness, I didn't consult God there. You know, we do need to make decisions sometimes. And some, you know, God gives us a brain to think. And trying to, you know, be dependent on God isn't just about being a marshmallow and we just kind of lay around and we don't ever make decisions for ourselves. Um, this isn't saying that it's saying that our attitude is one of acknowledging God's wisdom as surpassing our own, trying to bulldoze through life on our own strength is being wise in our own eyes. And it's really learning, okay, what are my coping strategies for trying to generate acceptance from people or the needs that I have for love, for worth, you know, what am I getting my sense of worth from? And is it from God and the fact that he's made me or is it, am I getting my sense of who I am from my performance at work or from what these friends think of me and so forth? So being dependent doesn't mean that we don't have a personality or a brain. It means giving up our self-made strategies and learning God's better ones. It means trusting so that we don't have to fall for the lie that it's all up to us. The other part of Proverbs 3, 5 through 8 is, is this, and I'm adding um, more verses here. We choose to depend on God's way over our own. He makes our, our path straight. The Hebrew word for straight indicates travel made safe by clearing and leveling the road. And that's the NIV application to commentary. So when we choose to lean on God instead of ourselves, he literally clears the way. And this doesn't mean that we don't have obstacles. We don't have trouble that we won't ever be in situations where we're afraid. That's not what it's saying. It's saying that we trust that the way that he is leading us is he's leveling the way in advance and it's the safest way for us to walk. Not safe in the sense of we'll never have trouble or danger or people opposing us. We will have those things. You can look at the the um you can look at the life of 
those in the Bible. And the safest way for them oftentimes led them straight to trouble. For instance, I'm thinking of Paul and, and he went straight to, you know, he had shipwrecks and he had beatings and imprisonment. But the safest way in terms of walking in the will of God was to do the will of God and look how much he accomplished in his life because he chose to trust and rely on God, even though it meant walking through extreme hardship and difficulty. So the best way, the safest way for us is always going to be God's way. And we can rest when we walk in that way because he's got our back. And I don't know about you, but this sounds a whole lot better than trying to do it ourselves. So I just want to conclude by saying, you know, it's a tricky topic to talk about anxiety because people can feel fear for so many reasons. It could be linked to a trauma in our childhood. It could be linked to a way that someone treated us. And maybe um, we lived under anger when we were younger and we have a, you know, there, you can literally read about anxiety and that a lot of times people deal with anxiety as adults is because of how people treated them when they were children or they went through traumatic events and literally their brains, the way their brains work is we, they work a little bit different than other people and that they tend to perceive threats sometimes that aren't even there. And so I don't want to just sugarcoat, just put a brush across this and say, well, you're suffering from anxiety because you're not trusting in God. There can be complex reasons, but I do just want to encourage you to look at the idea that when we just, we lay our situation before God, that a lot of times I believe anxiety does come from a sense of wanting to generate from our environment things that we genuinely, genuinely need, love, acceptance, worth and security. We genuine God created us to need those things and we genuinely need those things. But when we look for those in our environment and the people and this and the the things around us, then those automatically can create a sense of just fear in our life because it's hard, you know, it's it's impossible to make people happy all the time. It's impossible to be perfect in our performance. And so we have to rest on something solid and say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to look to you when I'm feeling fear, when I'm feeling dread, when I'm feeling uh, feelings of apprehension, I'm going to turn to you and I'll say, Lord, what am I afraid of here? What, what am I so worried about? Help me to see it. Lord, help me to park on, as Lisa Turkers always says, park on your truth. What is a truth I can latch to right now? If I'm worried about my health, can I can I latch on to a verse in the Bible that talks about how you sustain us even to our old age? If I'm worried about getting fired at my job, I can park um, my uh, mind on verses about how you take care of even the smallest sparrow, that you're aware of everything that happens in your creation, Lord, and that our job, even though we work for a company that ultimately our, you know, our sustenance, our our needs are provided by you. Um, if we're we're worried about a relationship and someone rejecting us, Lord, we can park on those verses that say, you know, even if people oppose us, um, you defend us. Whatever it is, if if we're uh, worried about the future, Lord, it talks about um, how in in your word it just talks about how you're the one that plans our steps and we can rely on you to lead us in the right way, whatever it is. So Lord, just to, for those of the um, people listening, Lord, help us to just walk away with a, a sense of encouragement, 
a sense that we don't have to let anxiety get the best of us. We will feel it in this world we live in. We have stress. We have things that make us afraid, but we don't have to ultimately remain in that place of anxiety. We can turn to you and say, Lord, am I depending on myself here? Lord, can can you help me? Can you help me with whatever I am fearful for? Can you tell me Tell me what it is that I'm fearing. Tell me how to get over it. Tell me what I what truth I need to latch on to so that I can can get over and and leave behind these these feelings of dread and fear that are just taking over me. Let's just pray. Lord, I pray for everyone listening. Maybe the person listening is just suffering from paralyzing anxiety or maybe the person listening has had problems with anxiety in the past and knows that future situations will bring them about. Whatever the case, Lord, as a fellow anxiety sufferer, as someone who has struggled with anxiety, Lord, I know how much it can affect a person's life. I know how much it can impact a person's ability to make sound decisions, to interact in relationships, to dysfunction. And so Lord, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, the people listening would be able to take away the nuggets of truth that they need to overcome in their situation they are facing or in future situations, overcome those feelings of fear, Lord, that they can understand that they are under attack, that Satan wants to get them separated from you, Lord, and that they don't have to feel ashamed of their anxiety, but Lord, that you can help with anxiety, Lord, that you have provision within your word, that it's by choosing to rely on you, it's turn to you and ask for your help and say, Lord, we just can't do it. Lord, I pray against self-reliance, against self-sufficiency. I know it's um, particularly in America, it's a, it's a huge it's a huge um, focus for many of us that we are grown up believing it was a great thing, but Lord, help us to be dependent on you and rely on you, Lord. Help us to know that it's in you we can find um, the strength to face the situations in life that cause us stress and anxiety. In Jesus' name, amen.